The following is the conclusion of our series looking at how God uses us to help one another. We hope that God has used this to encourage you through this study. We hope you enjoy. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started, y'all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this time together and ask that you would please be with us as we discuss how we meet each other in our struggles. And I just ask that you would just bless us and help us to learn from your word tonight. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever found yourself in this situation? Okay, someone's talking to you and they tell you something really heavy. Okay, something that's bothering them, something that's going on, something they're going through. And you get to that point where they stop talking and there's almost this sense of how are you going to respond to what I just said? Like they've just unloaded on you and you're in this like what feels like hours of an awkward pause and you don't know what to say. Most of us, when we're in that moment, we don't know what to say. Most of us don't know how to respond to that kind of stuff. Okay, So a couple things that we do, we can for the sake of deflating the awkwardness in the room. We don't like awkward situations, so we can just agree, even if we don't agree. And we can just agree with them just so that they'll stop talking, right? We can also insensitively disagree with them by saying, oh, well, that's dumb, or why would you do that, or why would you think that? We can lock up and try and awkwardly change the subject. And some of us are pretty good at that. Or we can throw out the first thing that comes to mind without giving any thought or effort to your words, hoping that it's going to help. Okay? Now, the problem with all of these responses is they lack one thing. And what are those responses like? You can answer this out loud. Love. Okay, It lacks grace. None of those responses enter into that person's struggle with a certain level of grace. Okay, We don't know how to respond. Our minds go into fight or flight mode, and we just... Do whatever we can think of first, whether that's deflecting, ignoring, agreeing with them, trying to change the subject. Now, here's the problem. Simply agreeing with somebody just to relieve the tension, it lacks grace because what you're doing is you're essentially affirming something in the other person, even though it might be a struggle. Okay? If you just say, oh, well, then you're fine, you're okay. Like, that's not helpful and it lacks grace because you're not actually moving them towards Jesus. Insensitively disagreeing with them lacks grace because... You can induce shame in that other person. Like You can just make them feel bad or feel like less than. Locking up and changing the subject lacks grace because it can make people feel like they're unheard and they're not listened to. Blindly throwing out a solution lacks grace because maybe the thing that you say in that moment is wrong or unhelpful. Or maybe it even makes it worse. There's one other way that we can respond, and it's one that we're typically not great at doing. Unfortunately, we rarely take it, and that is nothing. Sometimes we don't know how to just sit with somebody and their suffering. We don't know how to sit with somebody who's going through something hard without feeling like we have to interject and say something. And not nothing in the sense that we don't respond at all, but nothing in the sense that we don't make a quick judgment, we don't throw out something that's not helpful or something that's not good for them. It's always good for us to kind of step back. Now, there are cases where we need to Speak quickly. If, if somebody is in danger, we don't be like, okay, well, I just, need, I just need to pray about this. Okay, No. If someone's in danger, we act. But normally, that person just wants to be heard. They just want to tell their story. We need to learn how to soak in the data, be present with people, and let them know that they have been heard. And there's actually a process to this that we have to learn. It's an art. Okay, So if you're taking notes tonight, here's kind of our main point. We can love people best 
when we meet them in their struggles instead of trying to fix them. We can love people best when we meet them in their struggles instead of trying to fix them. So two things we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about slowing down. We're going to talk about making it a process. Slowing down and making it a process. So Ellie's going to come and read James chapter 1, verse 19 for us. Thank you, Ellie. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. James is talking about anger here. So when he's talking about anger, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And even though he's talking about anger here, the principle behind this is actually super helpful for us in every situation. Oftentimes we don't know how to just slow down and listen and not talk right away. The principle behind this passage comes from a couple passages from the Old Testament. I'm going to read these to you. You don't have to look them up. Ecclesiastes 5, 1-2 says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. To draw near to listen is better than to offer sacrifices of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth. Let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before you. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And then in Proverbs ten nineteen it says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17, 27, and 28. Whoever restrains his word has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool keeps silent and is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Not letting things that aren't really urgent feel very urgent. That's a problem that we have. We tend to hear someone's problems, and we feel like we just have to give them some sort of advice instead of just sitting with them in it. Now, there is a sense in which we do have to urgently and quickly move on something. Again, if someone's in danger to themselves, if someone's in danger to others, if they're doing something highly illegal, you should probably say something in that moment. But if they're telling you about, like, something that happened at school that day, right, that doesn't require action, right? It just really requires listening and kind of soaking it in and hearing what's going on. This is all kind of tying into what Caroline talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about just entering into the struggle with other people. Most of the time, they don't really want you to fix it. They really just want someone to talk to. They really just want someone that will hear them. Okay, this proverb speaks of prudence, which means to take great care or thought for. So when someone keeps their mouth shut when they're listening to somebody, they're actually showing that thoughtful process of saying, you know what, I want this person to know that I'm listening to them. I want them to know that they are being heard. Because one of our problems is that we don't like silence. See? <laughs> I did that on purpose just to see how long y'all would last. And we lasted two seconds, Christian. Good job. We don't like silence. When there's silence, what do we do? We make noises. Okay? We just start talking. We're twiddling our thumbs. We don't know what to do. And we'll do anything we can to break that silence because it just feels super awkward for us. Y'all know I love awkward moments. Use a backload, a truckload of awkward up, and I'll just get some popcorn and just start eating because I love awkward moments. But we actually have to learn, and I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying this is easy. We have to learn the art of dealing with awkward silence. We have to learn being okay with the awkward. Is anybody okay with awkward moments? How do you all respond to awkward moments? Some people are like, nope, I'm done, and they walk away. My wife and I can't watch The Office together because she hates awkward moments. I love awkward moments. She hates them. So, like, I can't watch that show with her because it's just 30 minutes of awkward moments back to back. 
Some people can deal with it, some people can't. We have to learn the art of slowing down and meeting people where they are rather than meeting the issue that they're going through. Okay. Uh, Paul David Tripp, who writes the book that we've been kind of basing this whole study off of, he writes this in the book Instruments of the Hands of the Redeemer. He says, personal ministry is not always about knowing what to say. It's not about fixing everything in sight that is broken. Personal ministry is about connecting people with Christ so that they're able to think as he would have them think, desire what he says is best, and do what he calls them to do, even if their circumstances never get fixed. It involves exposing hurt, lost, and confused people to God's glory so that they can give up their pursuit of their own glory and live for his It is about so thoroughly embedding people's personal stories in the larger story of God that they approach every situation and relationship with God's story. We need to be filled with awe with what the Lord has called us to participate in. So fixing people or getting people to shut up is never the answer. That should never be our answer when we're dealing with people and their issues. Because of what we talked about last week. If you remember, we talked about how Jesus sympathizes with us. If you remember how that that term is defined, it means that Jesus is moved by what moves you. And what that means is, when you're hurt, Jesus feels your hurt. When you're sad, Jesus feels your sadness. When you're mad, Jesus understands how you can get... He doesn't get mad, but he understands why you would get mad. And he wants to meet you in those things. He sympathizes with us. Okay? What we experience, he experiences, and he is patient. And he calls us to display that same level of patience with each other, which is really hard to do. So we slow down, but we try to make it a process. I'm going to invite David to come up here and read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 to 27. 19 to 27. There we go. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not, out, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I disciple my body and keep but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Alright, so another principle that I think is helpful here is that when we seek to do what we're talking about tonight, we're actually trying to help people and we're trying to do what people really need us to do. Even though they may want advice or solution, I think it would help us if we thought a little bit beyond that. And oftentimes, people don't even realize that what they need more than advice and a solution is to just be heard. What they need is to be heard, not necessarily coddled or affirmed, but heard. Have you ever just gotten something off your chest and you felt so much better just because you were able to verbalize it and talk about it? Okay? That's oftentimes really what we need. And our responsibility should be to give them that space to do that. 
it's this process of listening by giving them the God-given dignity that we all have. We talk about this quite a bit, the Imago Dei, the fact that we're made in the image of God. This comes from Genesis 1.27. If we're all made in the image of God, what do we all have? We all have dignity that we deserve as God's creatures. doesn't mean we're without sin, but we all have that dignity because God loves us and he loves his creation. When we're doing that, we're telling them that their issues are important, that their hurts are real, and that they have your support and love. Not that you're loving the struggle, but you're loving the person. Maybe you've heard the term, love the sinner, hate the sin. Okay? I think there's some helpful principles in that. The principle behind it is, like, you don't focus so much on the person's sin that you forget the fact that they're a person. And that they've got real struggles. And they've got experiences and hurt that they've gone through. Okay? So what this looks like is, let's say one of you come and confess something to me and you say, I'm really, really struggling with this. Okay? I can sit there and berate you and say, stop it. That's dumb. It's foolish. Okay? Am I meeting you in your struggle in that moment? Probably not. Now, there might be some cases where you need to be told that, and that's okay. But most of the time, we need people to resonate with us and at least hear us and not immediately go to judgment. And that's kind of what this principles talking about loving people but hating their sin and paul says that he becomes all things to all people and this does not mean that paul just kind of gives up his theology that he gives up his morality just to cater to whoever he's with what he's essentially saying here is that he becomes blank with blank people not because he's trying to just people please but rather his goal is to point them to jesus and oftentimes when we are in relationship in conversations with others We get in the way. Jesus is at work in our hearts, but sometimes we can actually mess things up quite a bit. And God is saying, it's good for us to just step back and just resonate with people a little bit before you start giving advice, before you start trying to fix their problems, before you start trying to give them a solution. And that's really what is at the heart of what Paul is saying, because he's saying, when I'm with a Jewish person, I'm going to relate to them as if I'm a Jewish person, because I'm trying to listen to them and hear them out and know their struggles. His goal is to win them for Jesus. When he's with the Gentiles, he's going to do the same for Gentiles. When he's with those that are under the law, he's going to do the same for those that are under the law, and so on and so on. I think for us, we can apply this same principle because we can enter into a struggle with somebody and slow down and not speak our mind initially and be what they really need us to be. Most of the time, your friends, when they're unloading on you, they just want you to be their friend. Who here is a fixer? When someone tells you a problem, you're like, well, you just need to do X, Y, and Z, and it'll be all good. I'm a fixer. So like, usually when people are telling me their problems, I just want to give them a solution. So this is a struggle for me, too. But we need to slow down. Okay? It's okay to not have a solution, and it's okay to not have quick advice. In fact, it's okay to tell people, hey, I don't, I don't know what to do with what's going on with you, but I hear you, and I want you to know that I'm here with you, and I want to pray for you. It's crucial and more important than the solution and any advice that we can actually give. So what would it look like for us to apply some of these principles? What might You can answer this out loud. Say someone emotionally vomits on you. They just unload everything that's going on in their life. What might be some helpful things to tell that person that has just confided in you when you don't know what to say? Specifically, when you don't know what to say. What might be a helpful thing to verbalize? Yes. Okay, yeah. Maybe trying to move them towards somebody that can actually help them, right? What else? Ellie. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, yeah, so you're leaning in and sympathizing with them, kind of like what we talked about last week. Now, what might be some unhelpful things to tell people when they emotionally vomit on you and you don't know what to say? Go right back here. Okay, yeah, you just need, you just need to get better. No. Yeah, just get over it, right? If it was that easy, then we would have got over it already, right? No. You got something else? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem, right? Christian, you got something? Chill. Chill. Yeah, you just need to calm down and everything's going to be okay, right? Right here. Say what? In all of those answers, does the person feel safe? No. Do they feel like you have heard them? No. Do they feel like you are trustworthy? No. So the point of all of this is that Jesus is quick to hear us. He's quick to listen. When we go to him and ask him for help, he's not going to turn us away and be like, Jackson, what's your problem, bro? Like, this is ridiculous. You just need to get over it, right? If Jesus responded to us like that, then we're all in trouble. you know. But he doesn't. He's quick to hear us. He's slow to work in us by the grace of his spirit. And yes, there are times where Jesus addressed problems very quickly. But most of the time, he just talked to people and listened to their problems. And in his discernment, he told them truth when truth was necessary. And he engaged with people. Okay, And we need to be more like that than just trying to be solution givers and advice givers in every conversation. And we're given to each other as the church to build one another up. That's the whole goal of the church is to encourage one another and point each other towards Jesus. So my prayer is that we could grow in these areas and be the hands and feet of Jesus as we engage with other people, as we engage with each other. We can love people best when we meet them in their struggles instead of trying to just fix them right away. It's a whole lot easier to just try and fix their problems than it is to listen to them. And I think our passages tonight kind of tell us that it's, it's actually better for us to, to slow down and just be patient. Amen? All right. But we're going to go to small groups in just a minute, but let me go ahead and pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for these students. And just ask that you would help us tonight as we wrestle with how we enter into other people's struggles, Lord. Help us to learn from your word and help us to leave here better because we spent time at it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes our series, Better Together, where we hope and pray that you have seen the amazing ways that God draws us into community in order to be used by Him to help each other. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WIM.